Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome to our January 2022 edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Art Tomasetti, and I hope your new year is off to a good start. Let's get this episode started with our look back in aviation history. On the 14th of January, 1942, Chief Test Pilot Charles Lester Morris made the first flight of the Vought-Sikorsky VS-316 Alpha at Stratford, Connecticut. The first flight lasted approximately three minutes, and by the end of the day, Morris had made six flights totaling 25 minutes duration. On the 14th of January, 1950, the McCoyan-Gurvich prototype fighter I-330SI made its first flight with test pilot Ivan Ivanschenko. It would be developed into the MiG-17. On the 14th of January, 1953, during a high-speed taxi test on San Diego Bay, Convair Chief Test Pilot Ellis Dent, Shannon, inadvertently made the first flight of the prototype XF-2Y-1 Sea Dart. The airplane flew approximately 1,000 feet across the bay. The Sea Dart was a prototype single-seat twin-engine delta-wing fighter designed and built by Convair Division of General Dynamics Corporation. It was equipped with retractable skis in place of ordinary landing gear, allowing it to take off and land on water, snow, or sand. Now, I'm sure you can imagine all kinds of challenges that come with that. But come on, a skiing delta wing jet? I'll include a couple of links in the podcast notes. One's for some actual flight footage, and another's from the first episode of the classic TV series Sea Hunt, uh, starring Lloyd Bridges, which aired in 1958 that featured the sea dart. Now, I could probably make a podcast episode about the first few minutes of that show all by itself. So it seems that 14 January is a popular day in history for first flights planned or unplanned. I'm sure that many of you have made resolutions for the new year. It's what we do when we start those new calendars. And I always try to make one physical, one intellectual, one spiritual resolution each year. And as we know, making them is the easy part. Keeping them, however, is the challenge. But this year, I want to add a resolution to try to get more audience feedback and involvement with this podcast. Now, we had a couple of episodes last year that generated some great discussions and sharing, which I thought was fantastic. So today is Wednesday, and every Wednesday, weather permitting, I walk about a mile to a small lake on the outskirts of my neighborhood to do yoga. And this week, you get to join me on that walk. Now, I actually used to call it a pond until I Googled the difference. And in case you're interested, for a pond, all the water in the pond is in the photic zone. means ponds are shallow enough to allow sunlight to reach the bottom. Lakes have aphotic zones, which are deep areas of water that receive no sunlight and prevent plants from growing. So we do, in fact, have a lake. Now, on this walk to the lake, I can go via neighborhood streets or via a path through the wetlands called Jason's Trail. Yes, I'm aware of the Friday the 13th implications, but I only do this in the daylight. Now, being in Florida and being wetlands, you need to be mindful of things like snakes and alligators. I grew up in Florida, so I'm pretty savvy on those risks. Plenty of trees to leap into, not a lot of open area to try out that running in a zigzag pattern, avoiding a gator, but I'm not sure I really want to test that technique out. But we also have black bears, bobcats, and recently a panther in our area as well. Not quite lions and tigers and bears, oh my, but we are definitely not in Kansas. So a little more risk mitigation is required, and that is where my test pilot background comes in handy. Now, having encountered a black bear already in my backyard, I'm pretty confident that they will walk away as long as I make no threatening moves. And it's probably worth mentioning here that that backyard encounter with the black bear was proof positive that I did learn things as a test pilot that have a practical application in everyday life. 
That being recognizing danger or that next thing that might kill you. See, it didn't take very long for me to realize that while filming that black bear about eight feet away while standing on my patio, that that thin piece of screen that separated us was going to be insufficient to stop him should he decided he wanted to come after me. Those risk assessment and risk management skills you've learned as a tester have broad applicability. Now, moving on. Bobcats are small enough not to worry about too much, but panthers, uh, that requires some thought. So like a good test pilot, I have run through some scenarios and options should I encounter a panther on that path to the lake. And it basically comes down to three choices. Freeze, flee, or fight. And despite our evolutionary differences, the default for both species, at least initially, is freeze. But that has to evolve into one of those other options. Now on these Wednesday walks, the only thing I have with me are my cell phone, my earbuds, and a yoga mat. And I'm sure that Jason Bourne or MacGyver could turn that yoga mat into a lethal weapon, but not me. I'm also sure that I have a far superior intellect to that panther, such that I can visualize escape vectors, friction differences between the path, fallen leaves, mud, visibility, wind, and lots of other variables. Now, it's probably a good thing we start in that freeze phase because all that analysis and all those calculations take time. My concern is, though, that the only thing that panther has to resolve during the freeze phase is whether or not it's hungry. So I do this sort of virtual mission rehearsal and make my risk decisions. And that brings me to our discussion topic for this episode. Um, Sorry, have to manually do the intro music. Let's talk about the value of mission rehearsal for flight test. Now, I recently had the opportunity to speak at a company's safety day. In some instances, I give my presentation and go, but often I'm invited to stay for the day and continue to participate in the event. This is always appreciated because I always learn something at these events. One of the small group breakout discussions was a lessons learned recap from a recent program they had done. At the top of their list was the value of doing mission rehearsals in a simulator with a control room linked in. They cited the benefit not only to safety, but to test efficiency as well. Now, I would tell you this is a fairly common lesson learned for any program that has the ability to accomplish it. So my first question to you is, have you had the opportunity in programs you've worked on to conduct mission rehearsal simulation events with a control room tied in? And if so, would you agree with the claim that they provide benefits to safety and efficiency? I've used them, and I would agree. So maybe this is a lesson learned that we should look into turning into a policy or requirement. I'm guessing some of you listening just cringed a little when I said requirement. But if these rehearsals are such value-added, why wouldn't we mandate they be accomplished? Now, some of the typical reasons might be lack of availability of devices that can accomplish this. Would we, should we, make it a requirement to produce a simulator that could support flight test mission rehearsal and the ability to link to a control room? While many programs have simulators that can perform this task, they are often used for other tasks as well. The next challenge is availability of personnel. If you are doing a full-up mission rehearsal, you want the test air crew, chase air crew, and maybe some others to play roles like range control or ATC. For control room personnel, you would definitely want your test conductor, but what about all the others? If the setup you are using can provide data that those engineers would see at their stations, then yes, probably include them. But if the setup can't do that, would they still be value-added? Sure, there's always opportunity to observe and learn from others and what's happening around you, but required to be there? Hmm. And would you do this for every test event? 
things like first flight and maybe envelope expansion make sense, especially from that safety perspective. But for every flight, that would take up a lot of time on the calendar for sure. Still, we said there was an efficiency benefit from doing this. So maybe even lower risk events where efficiency is more of a concern. Test points that are difficult to set up or testing an airspace that isn't optimal for the test points you're trying to execute. Maybe we do those as well. Of course, it would really help if we could prove those benefits to safety and efficiency so we would have a strong case for justifying the cost and resources and time to do these rehearsals. And I think we know anecdotally or can qualitatively say there is a benefit to safety and efficiency, but we probably don't have data to quantify it. Which brings me to my next question for you. Do you have or have you tried to quantify the benefits of mission rehearsal simulations? Now, quantifying safety benefits is definitely hard and maybe even impossible. But quantifying efficiency benefits might be possible. I mean, think about all the things we can do with big data now that wasn't possible before. Maybe we could show test point per flight, test point per flight hour, test point accuracy, or some improvements like that. Well, I'm almost to the lake, and so far no dangerous animal encounters. Though there was a squirrel that eyed me a little suspiciously. So let's wrap things up. I've been around Flight Test World long enough to know that we do tend to see a lot of the same lessons keep coming up. And one solution would be to start turning some of these lessons into policy or requirement. And when we think about something like the benefit of mission rehearsals with a control room linked into a simulator, well, that would surely seem like one likely to turn into a policy. So here's my final question. If you agree that these type of mission rehearsals are a good thing, and have benefits and are value added, how would you write it into policy or requirement? Have a discussion within your teams about it, and then send us what you come up with, and we can talk about those in a future podcast. Looking out at upcoming events, I don't have all my notes with me. I know that the calls for papers are out for several SCTP events and the Flight Test Safety Workshop, so please check those host websites for more information. Hopefully, we will see a full spread of in-person events this year. There are always great opportunities for us to see what is happening in the flight test world for information exchange and for networking, not to mention catching up with old friends. If you still have room on your piece of paper with your New Year's resolutions, add attending at least one event to that list. And maybe for extra credit, consider presenting at one. Yes, it does take some work, and for some people, standing on stage may be as daunting as encountering a panther on a walk through the woods. But trust me, it is truly a rewarding experience. Uh, The Flight Test Safety Fact will be out again next month. If you missed last month's edition, you can find it on our website. And one comment I want to make on that December issue, it actually generated a lot of internal discussion amongst the Flight Test Safety Committee. As always, different thoughts and opinions exist on some things, so we did what professionals and good teams and organizations do. We talked about it, we listened with open minds, and we found acceptable compromise. In the newsletter and in this podcast, we want to be able to talk about the good and the bad, successes and failures all in hopes of increasing the former and decreasing the latter. So that will wrap us up for this episode. I hope your new year is off to a good start. Please share with us your thoughts on the mission rehearsal topic and any other feedback you might have. And until next time, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.